The year is 1998. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. forget it's my story they think it was all about dave busing but without me there's no story i'm the touchstone you see i'm the pov i'm the everyman me zach dean you got all that because other people they miss that so your name's charlotte <laughs> yes yes mr dean you're a podcaster uh-huh uh I, I can't believe i quoted rick jones to start an episode so like, if i had done the intro if uh-huh. i had done the intro it was going to be to say no one has more in common with Rick Jones than Zachary Dean. That was a bill. That was <laughs> Maybe seriously. that's why I, I reflexively hate the man. I just see too much myself. Too much man smoking, in the mirror. Smoking Marlboros with a ponytail. Yeah. Uh, thinking about dead loves I mean, lost. He's f- like his first name is four letters ending in CK, and he has a, a last name that is also a first name. Whoa. So you have quite a lot in common. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> my head exploding. All right, this is I'm my marvelous year. About the Rick in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> good, the comic book reading club, going from the oh god, god uh, going from Marvel comics from today to for, to its origins. To its origins. You you don't ever get to do now. the origin again. That was brutal. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Uh, we're in 1998. This is the beginning of 98, and uh, well, we already had Heroes Return. Forgot about that. This is the second. Episode for, <laughs> oh my for God. 1998. Let's just do it show. again. <laughs> all right, let's uh, start this all over again. People forget it's my story. They think it was all about Dave. God, Disney. no. <laughs> make it stop, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, uh, we're in 1998. Uh, we're reading not the big stuff from 98, but some like... I think Dave really is... the stuff. Uh, Dave is teasing <laughs> us all with putting Inhumans, Daredevil, and Black Panther as the final... All the Marvel Knight stuff as the uh, the final episode of 1998. But uh, there's interesting stuff happening before that. So. Well, there's a reason for that, too. It's because Marvel Knights does not begin in earnest until the end of 1998. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a latter portion of the year as we proceed chronologically through the years and through Marvel Comics, Marvel Knights does come at the end of things, which is why we'll pick up Inhumans, Daredevil, and Black Panther, the Marvel Knights stuff we've been hyping up then. But yeah, today's episode, mm-hmm. I mean, this, these are the series that didn't die, right? These are the series that weren't killed and did not reboot on the same cadence as all the Heroes Return stuff we covered in Part 1. So we have Amazing Spider-Man, we have Incredible Hulk, we have Deadpool, which just launched the year previous, and then, of course, we have a little bonus, a little what-if Spider-Girl action um, these are the series that continued. I think in a lot of ways, though, you can feel them coming to a conclusion, at least in the case of Hulk and Spider-Man. Uh, it's literally the last couple issues written by Peter David in The Incredible Hulk. So that is a 12-year run at this point, you know? I mean, it's one of the longest single writer runs on a title in Marvel history, right? People talk about Claremont on X-Men for 16 years or whatever, um, but Peter David was on Hulk forever. And I couldn't believe he was still writing it when we like 
when we read these issues, I was like, oh my god, it's still him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I finally I had editorial differences. <laughs> like it took <laughs> it took this long, <laughs> which is incredible. Um but yeah, no, these are the last couple Hulk uh, David issues, so we'll talk about those. Uh but let's let's start this puppy off with amazing Spider Man. You know, Zach, you're saying like, okay, these aren't these are kinda odd, we're just getting a little taste. Um everything here is somewhere between fun and interesting and Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, so. I totally agree. No, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. So, like, there's good stuff. There's good stuff going yeah, on. Let's yeah, start yeah. with Amazing Spider-Man 430 and 431. Again, all the issues, all the comics that we read, they're always included in the show notes. You can look there. You can find those listed on comicbookherald.com. You can find them if you back us at patreon.com slash year For as little as $1 a month, you'll get the whole spreadsheet so you can see everything coming up. Um, that reminds me, I got to update our... Or wait, did I already do the 1999 list? That's a relief Ooh, I'll, if I I'll already did that. You. Oh, nope, I didn't. That's a problem. I didn't think so. Okay. <laughs> so we'll update that puppy. Um, but if you back us over at patreon.com slash year, you get all that stuff ahead of time. Uh, but otherwise, everything's free. Uh, obviously, all the comics are... Comics are free. <laughs> Big news. Comics are free now. Uh, we're announcing it here first. Um, and uh, <laughs> no, we read along with Marvel Unlimited. Thank you, Marvel, for uh, for turning nonprofit. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like... Like Marvel Unlimited is kind of, is it charity? Is it a charitable act? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so Amazing Spider-Man 430 and 431 are going to come up first here. I love these comics. They're goofy as heck. They are absolutely inessential, and they are just dumb fun. The dumbest yeah, fun yeah, yeah. that you can have with comics, and sometimes that's all I want. <laughs> what did What did you two it, think of these? Yeah, he's uh, he's getting like the classic like Spider-Man thing down, and it's something DeFalco. This is DeFalco, right, Dave? Tommy DeFalco, former okay, editor in chief of Marvel. Yeah, because we've read some of his other Spider-Man. Um, which let's see, what, what was it last year? It was Norman Osborn coming back last year, right? And then uh, Revelations was that still him? He was on that for a while. Anyway, I don't think I've been that impressed with DeFalco, uh, but this is good, and it's not like revolutionary but this is like this feels like classic like 60 70 spider-man stuff moved forward um spider-man you know peter parker balancing life pressure and promising the boys he's gonna go out to a baseball game and have some hot dogs and then oh man he can't because there's a villain there's literally a page here where spider-man throws a suit to the ground and he says something like yeah let's just see i'll let some other schmuck take care of carnage we'll see how they like it without spider-man the next page is carnage just doing some stuff the next page is spider-man again he's like oh i can't just not <laughs> be spider-man like spider-man no mores for literally two pages <laughs> and we don't <laughs> it's ridiculous we, we see one page of him being like ah oh, should i all right and then he's back in it's uh it, it's i don't think it's unintentionally or intentionally funny but it's a very funny like peter parker moment but yeah, yeah, Carnage turns into Silver Surfer, or the symbiote wraps around Silver Surfer. It's good. It's fun. Good. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, Spider-Man comic. I think it's when you when Zach you often say it's meat and potatoes comics. This is exactly the type for of sure. thing I think yeah. of for that. But I do think like there's a good balance between like you have in the background an overarching plot uh, over like probably a year or two something like that. But the main focus of the comic is the one issue, two issue story. That's kind of fun and like. It feels more light and breezy than when you have like a boring overarching plot that you do not care about. Here's just like, you know, there's some stuff with Norman Osborn messing with 
Spider-Man and taking control of the Daily Bugle and um, what's his name? Robbie Robertson is like having doubts as to whether or not he should stay at the Daily Bugle. But outside, outside of that, it's just one. Spe- yes, I know. I can't pronounce Daily Bugle. Hey, hey, no <laughs> laughing at Charlotte Zach. It's just Daily Bugle. It's funny. The Daily Bugle. There we go. Perfect. That sounds fine. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's that in the background. But other than that, it's just like Spider-Man, Civil Surfer, Carnage, two issue of uh, a fun adventure. And it's, yeah, it's it feels very easy to read. Although like that... We're sitting in the, like, Thoughts Bubble Hell. There's, there's way too many of them. <laughs> Thought uh, Bubble Hell is a them. great way to describe <laughs> this era. I, I've, I'm going to say it once more, and then I'm never going to say it again until we get to some Kevin Smith written comics, because it's super <laughs> important. But yep. the Thought Bubble Hell that we are in is brutal. It is brutal. Like, it is just so much text. telling, And it's not just the text of it, right? I've read books. <laughs> I know I know what it's like to read text. It's the nothingness that comes out yeah. of all of the writing I, that is the worst. And it's why when we get to the Incredible Hulk issues, by first by Peter David and then by Joe Casey, but the David stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, like he knows how to cut out garbage from his scripts. Um, yeah. And it is very frustrating when writers don't and, and when they don't as part of like, well, this is how we're doing it now, as opposed to like, I have something to say. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, in, all you have to do is read it out loud to yourself. Sometimes these like expatory, expatory, expository, yeah. expository. Thank you. Expatory is when it's X-Men exposition, but otherwise <laughs> it's expo- it's just exposition. It's expository, uh, like description stuff. Just read it out loud. And if you immediately like become bored with your own words, right? Like I, I had that so much with Deadpool <laughs> this time. Uh not like just the dialogue, although the dialogue is too much, but like sometimes he does descriptions here of just like, uh, yeah, whatever is happening. And it's, it's just the dullest thing. And um, I can, I can be a big fan of like cramming a lot onto a page, right? I actually just wrote a thing about this, about a my management. With a lot of words. I actually just wrote a ton <laughs> of words. I can't draw, so it's all words. So it's just a page stuff with words. I'm calling it a comic, though. <laughs> it's de- because it I is don't a prose like novel, books. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, some have argued it's prose, right? I've heard the argument. I'm calling it a comic nonetheless. Um, no, no, I wrote an essay about mind management. Uh, it's it's TBD on uh, on maybe my first panel-by-panel panel work. Um, but it, my management Ooh, is one of my favorite comics of all time, and that comic stuffs the page with like text in the gutters. Like there's yeah, literal yeah. extra it's like text wrapping around the the border. Yeah. yeah, like climbing up and down the page, and it's cool as hell for a billion reasons. Um, but primarily, it's additive, <laughs> right? It is conveying something that is essential to the story and essential to the experience and to the tone. Uh, Marvel thought bubble hell is so rarely doing that. And it's why the, I think the writers that are are working within that frame but but kind of know what they're doing stand out in spades. And, like, Tom DeFalco knows what he's doing, right? He's a professional. Um, but these pages are feats of endurance. And and that is yeah. that is kind of a bummer. You just don't read it. I mean, that's what I've been doing you just in the 60s. Yeah. I just stop reading the, like, descriptive boxes around it, right? Like, And the thing is you can tell that they're pretty inessential because you just don't read them. And the comic works fine. <laughs> because <laughs> you're just like, like most of them you could replace by sp- basic the Spider-Man thought bubble number two. And it's 
Like it's the same sentiment expressed and in what in like a seventies issue of Spider Man or an eighties issue of Spider Man. It's the same stuff about him, like not uh, wanting to to take a break from being Spider Man, but he can't. That's the exact same thing, and there's nothing more to it that is added. It's just the same thing, so you really don't that, need to. That kind read of stuff, it. I like. I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree that it's boring. But I I, I think I'm talking more about like the extra narrative, like descriptors of just oh, yeah. like. As Spider-Man swings over a city that sleeps, whatever, that kind of stuff. Or, like, meanwhile, Mary Jane is on campus talking to some girlfriends, whatever, and I'm, like, I'm just looking, I'm looking <laughs> at it. Like, I can see Mary Jane standing on campus looking at girl, like, talking to girlfriends. I don't need, like, you to yeah. tell me that. <laughs> I think um, I'm so used to not reading those that I didn't even re- realize that yeah. there were. <laughs> yes. Right. Like, I, yeah, yeah. it's a thing, like, my eyes just glaze <laughs> Filter up, them over out. there. Yeah. So, yeah. two thoughts on that. One, I don't think it's it's, you know the same across all comics, right? It's not one size fits all. No. Because like for example, like Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, purple prose, real swollen descriptions of stuff. It's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Um it's great. Okay. Well, we, we talked about that with jungle action. I remember saying that like Yeah. Yeah yeah. The 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 language of the the prose, like of just the descriptions of the fight, right? Like we're seeing a fight happening and he was also describing the fight, elevated the fight to make it like feel more impactful which is rare. adding something to it right it's super rare yeah but, so it know, stands out when it's great yeah. um i yeah. i would also say in terms of you know the point you said there about like oh it's like the 60s that's actually really interesting um because it does feel i, I think that fits with sort of what we're describing and what we were describing in heroes return of like a regression right of like a, yeah. oh let's get back to what we were um stylistically and the characters are the 60s characters like Outside of Carnage, uh-huh. like with Norman Osborn, honestly, like <laughs> Carnage outside is so of Carnage, 90s it hurts. Yeah, well, you know yeah, what? But though? Outside of Carnage, oh, sorry, you could have told me that this issue was like a redo of a 60s issue, and I would totally have believed yeah, it. Yeah, like, interesting. The plot points feel very l- the same as in the 60s. The thing is, though, like Spider-Man's had a decade of having modern stories, and I just yeah. could not care about any of the stories or characters or the world they're building around him. So, like. I was happy just to have some Robbie Robertson and J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I agree. Like, I was back into it because I was like, I like these characters. These ones work. Uh, well, that's what we kind of said last episode, or at least what I was kind of thinking last episode, which is like, a lot of times, regression, moving back to what was good, can feel like a problem. And sometimes it is. And I think in, in contemporary comics, it often is. But it can also be a course correction to be like, hey, we got off track of what was good about this thing. And that's the thing about Marvel superheroes is there is a core, there is an identity, and there is a a framework that these were designed in. The ones that work, you know, it's like you want to capture that spirit. I mean, it's the thing we always you always hear about the MCU, right? The thing that people like about it, who have liked comics for a long time, is when they capture the spirit of what these characters were, right? It's not literal replication, of a story on the page that would be boring it'd be incredibly boring um so i there's pros and cons i think to the to the effort um i do think though in terms of it reading like a 60s comic i was definitely in the camp zach when we read those more of like i was less bothered by the textual nature of it partially because it's like okay this is the style of the time but i was also a lot more forgiving i think in terms of like also nothing's been written about the characters before um, so there mm-hmm. is a degree sure. of world building where, you know, yes, it's partially stylistic and I, I know that can be exhausting for some readers. Um, but it's also like nothing has been written about them before. Like you said, with Spider-Man in 1998, there is a shorthand. <laughs> there is a shorthand yeah. well, even also, for was... kids who've never read a Spider-Man <laughs> comic, you know? I, 
I was thinking about those early Spider-Mans a lot because Spider-Girl does some clear, like, homage to that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I was remembering, like, oh, yeah, you remember the, uh, the issue where Spider-Man just goes on a boat? And it's a big deal. Like, Doc Ock is on a boat. And he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He ambushes him on a boat. And you're like, oh, man, it's Spider-Man on a boat. This is cool. <laughs> How's it <laughs> like, going to get back? <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, there is a novelty to that. I, I mean, j- just to, like, point it out, those 60s comics are exhausting if you have to read 20 a week for a podcast. I otherwise Who like, would do that? A... <laughs> Who would <laughs> yeah. do it to I've you? really, like, figured that out. I mean, I think I'm sure we said it at the time, but, like. The more I go back to read those, I have a blast with those comics now when I sit yeah. down to read one or two of them. I saw it. <laughs> I saw someone, I think it was in the My Marvelous Year Slack, the greatest community of comics fans on the internet. Um, I think I saw it there. It was a while ago. Somebody described the pace of My Marvelous Year as punishing, <laughs> which, made laugh, which made me laugh really hard. Because <laughs> we tried um, to curate wanna... it and make it possible, but I, I did think that was funny. And probably in the case of the 60s, yeah, like doing... Doing a lot of those when you have other things going on in your life, yeah, it can feel punishing. I get it. With our Slack, uh, come join our Slack, $5 a month on Patreon. I just want to point out uh, about an hour ago, somebody, were, people in the Slack were talking about the Slack, and someone said, the Slack turned me into a communist, a tabletop gamer, and a bisexual. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if that doesn't sell it to you. What a poll quote. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. What a poll quote. All right. Yeah, come join. It's, I, it's I moderate a good community. And sorry, Incredible. but all that stuff is enforced once you join. Yes. Slack. Yeah, yeah. When you say moderate, mandatory. when you say moderate, you mean enforce yeah. heavily. And yeah. and you can't call yourself any of these things if you're not in the podcast. So to my <laughs> bisexuals out there, please join us. I would <laughs> definitely, definitely, please do. Uh, I would also say if you are a fan of uh, Stiltman, if you're a fan of Rick Jones, if you are a fan of me personally, <laughs> we need you. <laughs> we need you in the Slack community. We are outnumbered by Zach and his communist minions. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stiltman hatred is just a, a Marxist-Leninist uh, Marxist-Leninist plot. Well, he thinks he's I, above I want... everyone. He thinks he's above the proletariat. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about this before. I, I have to. I want to point out. Um, I, I I pulled this up for the. Spider-Girl talk, but it applies equally here. Um, Tom, Tom DeFalco, in an interview, he's talking about Marvel Comics 2, which Spider-Girl is a part of, but I think it applies to this also. Yeah. Uh, he said in an interview, I think like 2007, a lot of people characterize the MC2 universe as having a, quote, old school feel. Why do you think modern comic readers want to read something that feels like the best of the Silver Age? Oh, sorry, that wasn't Tom DeFalco. That was the interviewer. Tom yeah, he DeFalco. did ask himself the question, which was a little. I, I thought he was setting himself up <laughs> yeah. to talk about it. He's just anyway. a little pose for like build up and then insert himself. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's what I thought happened. Okay, but DeFalco's answer is, we are quote old school because a our heroes act like heroes. B, th- and this is so funny, we don't believe in decompression. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> like, not that we don't appreciate or like it or see the value in it. We don't believe in it. I don't acknowledge C, decompression. Incredible. We tell single issue stories with subplots that build from issue to issue. And D, there's a lot of action and angst in every issue. Uh, so, yeah, like very much the Stan Lee model. But I, that decompression thing, I think, is very funny and kind of telling. Um, and you can see the heroes act like heroes thing where, like, he doesn't want he doesn't even want, you know, what Miller does to Daredevil to happen to to these characters. Like, Spider-Man gets the chance to just let Cletus Cassidy die of cancer. He has cancer, and he could just die from it. It wouldn't be, like, actively killing him. Yeah. And it's still, Spider-Man's like, is that a line I'm willing to cross? And it's like, 
thousands are going to die. Thousands of innocent people will be killed by Carnage because of this. But, you know, he's a hero and he can't just let him die. Tis um, the way. So, Tis the way of yeah. Spidey. Yeah, that's a good quote. That's a good find. Um, I, There's a lot we could bounce off of that. We'll definitely talk more about decompression as this progresses because as Brian Michael Bendis becomes a part of Marvel, as we get into the Marvel Knights era, uh, it's going to be more and more pertinent. Um, If you don't know what that is, don't worry. I mean, essentially, it's slowing down a comic. <laughs> and, and I think the word says what it is. <laughs> like, well, I, I think stylistically, though, not everyone would just instinctively know what that means sure. about yeah, yeah, the yeah. comic storytelling. Um, but it's the style you start to see really become in vogue uh, through the ultimate comics era and also Marvel Comics where things just slow down. You know, a story that might have been a one and done in the 60s Silver Age becomes a six-issue arc, right? Um for better and for worse. There are examples where it's great. There are examples where it's a problem. Uh, so we'll talk about that kind of as, as it pertains to the story. Um, you know, we're kind of we're kind of bypassing maybe the most important thing here, which is uh, Carnage steals the Silver Surfer's powers in his, his surfboard. <laughs> and, um, and it's super yep. fun. I, I got to say, you know, we've read enough Carnage stuff throughout the 90s. I prefer my Carnage with a heaping side platter of goofy tongue-in-cheek. Whether it is known by the creative team that they're doing it or not, uh, I don't care. I definitely prefer non-serious carnage. There are rare examples where serious carnage works, um, but I think something like a maximum carnage is such a cluster to me, partially because it's just it's a tremendous feat of endurance and it's way too long, but also like, yeah, I agree. I, there's a certain over-the-topness to the violence of Carnage that kind of doesn't... It just It's really hard to do with Spider-Man, a hero who won't even let him die of cancer, you know, sort of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, yeah. there's not... Yeah. Well, there's I, often not enough darkness in the Peter Parker universe. Like, Carnage feels like... Like, it's just the Joker, but, but symbiote and murdery, right? And it feels like a part of a Batman universe, but there's not the darkness in Spidey's universe... To make it work. And I think where I struggle with that is there are really good, quote unquote, dark Spider-Man stories, right? Craven's Last Hunt, obviously, is the go-to example. Um, But with Carnage, I don't know, there's something about the character and the -the over-the-topness. And just, there's just such a lack of, it's so hard to take Carnage seriously, despite the things that they're doing. I don't know, it's like so rarely sold, like an emotional or or, um, gut-wrenching impact. Even here, when like... It seems like he kills Robbie Robertson's wife for a second, you mm-hmm. know, and it's kind of, but it's like, yeah. but then it's like overruled by <laughs> Carnage writing Carnage rules in blood in the elevator. Okay, I, like, the, thing, just... the thing about Carnage rules is that I think what they're going for is similar to Carnage reigns, <laughs> right? Like, I think he's being like, Carnage is, you know, like, Carnage is everywhere. Yeah. But instead it does come across as Carnage rules, like, <laughs> like Steve Holt. That kind of like <laughs> energy <laughs> instead of, uh, yeah. And also, I mean, you know, w- when you just see that characters have that kind of plot armor thing of it's like Carnage kills everyone he comes across except for this character who's named who he just wounds their arm. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, and then, and then that's the thing too is like, deflates you it almost, you actually, I, I don't think it'd be a good thing. <laughs> I want to be clear. All right. I don't think I'd like this story direction, but the impact of Carnage would be felt more seriously if he does actually kill. Mm-hmm. someone yeah. who's a player in the game, right? Who's well, who's it, a character yeah. who's tied to character... Robbie Robertson obviously yeah. has a long Spider-Man legacy. Um, but but he, the fact that it's then like, oh, he hurt her arm, 
I, I don't know. Just the scariness of him is hard to take seriously in general, yeah, which is why I prefer just, when he's goofy. He kind of just feels like a, a, a meaner arcade most most times. <laughs> 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 he even has the, the red hair. Really but funny. I feel like, I mean, I think that's maybe something Donny Cates understands in the 2010s that, uh, uh, not uh, although uh, arcade as cosmic horror would be very fun, but like Carnage works better as as cosmic horror than as the Joker of Spider-Man. Yeah. That, I mean, Ze- yeah, Zeb Wells is actually going to do it there. before the Cades era. That'll be Ooh, the late 2000s. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll see examples. I mean, the only one who's really nailed him, I think, is that Warren Ellis mind bomb thing. Because I think, like, he found a good medium between, like, gross and nasty and violent and silly. Yeah. Right? Like, it's yeah. silly, compelling violence, but it's also, like, ooh, gross. Like, kind of fun you know, B-movie and, violence. Uh-huh. And um, thanks a lot to the art, too, because the, the art yeah. in that issue was very mm-hmm. horrific and hellish. Totally. I, I think that's the best Carnage issue of this decade. Um, these two are probably the most fun. Um, there, There's a yeah. whole side story here. <laughs> I don't even know why the Silver Server shows up. Like, whatever, he, he arrives. Um, there's a whole side story. It's cool, Dave. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. No, that's enough. Um, there's a side story that I guess the surfer brought Galactus to destroy Carnage's planet of symbiotes, which is some symbiote lore stuff that is definitely going to get reworked. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> yes, right. don't yeah, cling yeah, yeah. to that too tightly. Um, but I did kind of appreciate DeFalco just being like, yeah, whatever, Galactusated Planet of Carnages. And uh, and that was why the Carnage symbiote has a connection and is mad at the Silver Surfer. That stuff winds up being pretty fun. Cosmic Carnage is wild and goofy, and two issues is precisely the right amount of time <laughs> to spend yeah. on this <laughs> yes. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I have a setup for the next comic we're going to read, Spider-Girl. Okay. Is it better than Ultimate Spider-Man? <laughs> that's the setup <laughs> i quite like spider girl okay i was mm-hmm. resistant <clears throat> to including this initially um Ooh, i don't really? totally remember why so spider yeah. girl it, it starts as a what if okay we read what if number 105 it's a what if story by tom defalco and i think ron friends yeah ron friends um bill Sinkevich is involved no letterer chris Eliopoulos. um I feel like I'm seeing Sienkiewicz's name on the cover. I don't know why that is. Besides the point. Uh, it starts as a what if. It be, it's popular enough that it becomes its own ongoing series. That series then goes for over 100 issues <laughs> from mm-hmm. 1998 I know, it's crazy. to and, 2006. And, yeah. Like fan run. Like it kept almost getting canceled and fans kept having campaigns to keep it going because it had like a really dedicated fan base. Which is cool. Super cool. Yeah. Well, you can see part. why. It's really good. It's really good. I think. But I, I, I walked in kind of... I had read this before. I had read Spider-Girl when I was like 17, 18. And I remember okay. really liking it. At least like the first handful of issues. And uh, and when I sat down to read this yesterday, I was like, I hope this is better than Ultimate Spider-Man so I can like <laughs> really go in and have a, a hot take and then, you know, have something to argue. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it is, but it's close, if not actually better. I think it's doing a slightly different thing, but and I think it actually does some stuff much better than Ultimate Spider-Man. Um but I think the comparison has got to be there. They're like they're very similar in what they're trying to do. Charlotte, what do you think in terms of that comparison? Um, at first, it felt crazy to me. Yeah, <laughs> and then I think about it, and it's like, I mean, if you comp, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's better than Ultimate Spider-Man. I think it's it's good. Um, I don't think it's I don't know. I don't think it's that good. To me, it works kind of the, on the same level as the Carnage uh, Silver Surfer issue. It's like fine Spider-Man stuff, but there's not much more than that. 
Um, and like the fact that it starts with yeah, it's the first issue. I think it starts with a Green Goblin family story, which is rarely the thing that interests me the most in Spider-Man. So See, that, I like Green that... Goblin when it's Norman and um, oh my god, I forget his name, Harry. Harry. Like I only it. like Normie. When, I've when it only extends... ever <laughs> liked <Yeah>. Little Normie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I like I God, what what a slam of a name that his child is like. We'll just name him Normie, like, and uh, and he'll only. Only eat at uh, Applebee's, and uh, I can't think of any other funny normie jokes. Uh, but that's yep, the one. Someone else. That's please. the one. Say, I'm dying. No, we're we're gonna leave you on that vine just to hang. Yep. Should have had something guy. prepared. Anyway, normie normie rules here. Uh, he's really funny. He just has like he's this huge muscular guy with. I like that they decided to turn the Osborne family dreads into just actual dreads uh, running down his back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he's got orange dreads. And then he's, his back is covered t- with tattoos that say, like, the sins of the father will be, uh, I don't, I can't remember, rain down upon the spider. Something very stupid. I and think it's, it's like, worship your father, kill the spider, something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And his, it is, his it is just honor says, thy father, yeah. kill the spider, and the one on his <laughs> chest just says revenge. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that guy has lived his whole life to be a villain in one issue of Spider-Man. That's yeah, <laughs> it rules. It's really good. Um, I, I think you can actually see, like, more than any other what if, you can read this one issue and be like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, this just works to keep going. Like, it, it doesn't feel like a what if issue. It feels like an issue one of a comic, right. like a new series. Right. So, it, so to back it up in terms of, like, of why this is a what if. Um, so we talked in the Clone Saga. Mary Jane is pregnant throughout most of that. And by the end, through the Clone Saga and into Revelations, um, Mary Jane loses the baby, right? She miscarries. There's a tease. There's a tease that the baby was smuggled (laughs) by someone working for Storm and Norman Osborn, that it was stolen. That's, I guess, still in play. Um, But what this what if issue asks is basically just like, what what if Mary Jane and Pete just had the baby? And she was healthy, and she grows up to become Spider-Girl. And that's who May Mayday Parker is. Um, so now it's middle-aged Peter and Mary raising a teenager, May Mayday Parker, and it's her story, becoming uh, Spider-Girl. I, I, I really like the progression of, like, letting characters age and seeing their kids, you know? Be the be the next generation of heroes. Um, it's kind of the it you know the reason it works so well I think as a what if and as an alternate reality the MC two thing is like this is kind of a version of what the Marvel universe could be if it just progressed right like if the Marvel universe just progressed through the ages and characters actually aged instead of on Marvel time these yeah. are the kinds of stories we would see and it, it's always it's like I get why it doesn't happen you know and certainly will never happen at this point. Um, but it is also, I actually think very appealing because then you get to see middle-aged Pete being a dad, not knowing what to do, raising new characters. And I think that's why Spider-Girl is so fun. Like just on that premise alone, um, just seeing a Marvel, a version of a Marvel universe where it's like, there's a fantastic five now and it's led by Johnny Storm and Ben's still around. <laughs> Reed but Richards is just a brain in a jar. Reed's a brain in a robot. <laughs> yeah. Like that still stuff's fun though. That's stuff's fun. I, yeah, I yeah. like seeing how you can reimagine what the universe can be. Well, and, and it's like maybe, Batman Beyond, actually. Um, you know, if you've seen that yeah, animated sure. series. You know, sim- similar idea. Like, what would this M- Maybe become? part of my, like... I do think that the quality level of this is quite high. Like, I think this is very readable. I think, like, 
I'd be interested in reading more if I was like hungry for more 90s Spider-Man comics. Like this is what I would go to and not Spider-Man. Like it it was a lot of fun. But something that it's doing that like we've been complaining about for three years on the Ultimate Universe is like build something new. You have these characters that you can do something, build something brand new. Having Reed be a robot brain in a jar like in a Herbie and then having uh, like Franklin lead the team. Having whatever Wolverine's daughter with I can't remember uh, who it is. Yeah, Wolverine's daughter here like stands out way more than the like Wolverine clone that they have running around the Ultimate X Men now. And then everything having to do with Spider Man, like introducing new villains right away, right? Yeah. Like it feels fresh and it feels like additive yeah. and taking a new direction that the Ultimate Universe often is just like, hey, what if it was Daredevil and he's the same one that you know, but he's just here now? Yeah. What if That's he like, was Dark Devil? Dark and Devil's cool. I want to know what Dark Devil's creepy. deal is. Yeah, like, same. He's mysterious. You know, so Zach, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head here. I think these comics are more interesting and take the right approach to sort of like, hey, we can do anything over the Ultimate Universe. They are not as good. Um, they are not actually as well crafted or well, they as don't well believe told in as decompression. the Ben's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that's I, not a, I don't that's know, not like a, a non part of it. I mean, they don't No, read no, I know. And it, it's tough because like that that's true. They definitely read as more dense, but then at the same time, I'm kind of like, like we do really like the Bagley and uh, Bendis Ultimate Spider-Man run because it's such a snack, right? Like you just sit down, you pound through six issues of that, and it feels like nothing, right, to read through, which like is a positive, but also not like always like a huge positive. It becomes it, at least it becomes a problem. As it's not it the be goes. all and end all of like you know what makes a comic good is that it's simple to read um and i think like here this doesn't feel overladen with text like there's a little too much narration but like the dialogue is good i like the back and forth between the characters mayday is a fun character mm-hmm. um i i really like the stuff it sets up with like peter parker uh being like he lost a leg in a fight with i think green goblin and he like kind of knows that his daughter is sneaking out even though he's forbidden it and now he's dealing with like how, like i kind of know but i can't say anything because like how, what moral authority do I have to say you can't go out to be Spider-Man, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to go out. I think that's really interesting, right? Like, him to be in that position immediately that he knows what's up, but he, like, can't say anything. Um, yeah, it also doesn't yeah, lean fun. too hard on being a Peter Parker story. You know, I think a mm-hmm. lot of creators yeah. would have had the tendency to be like, okay, I'm yeah. doing a middle-aged Spider-Dad story. But DeFalco and the creative teams, they do recognize, like, no, this is Mayday's story. Um, and it feels that way. You know, I, I don't like Peter Parker is a supporting player in this. I'm sure at some point he'll jump in the suit and it will be a big deal. Like, yeah, Spider-Man yeah. back in the suit. But yeah, they're not getting him right in and up. Yeah, these are very good. They're very fun. I like the idea a lot. I get why there's such tremendous fan swell and support behind these characters. Um, the world could use more Mayday Parker, I think, as a, like just a, a good idea. Super fun. I'd love to see more of it. I It's definitely not as... <sighs> As well executed as Ultimate Spider-Man. I do like that comparison. Um, and I, I, the fact that it's even a conversation is not something I, think it's I just, would have expected. Yeah. It's closer than you'd think. I mean, I think it's supporting characters are good, too. Like, I mean, I read a lot of comics here that, like, are out of my brain immediately. And I couldn't tell you anything about them. But, like, I remember, let's see, it's uh, the... Um, Derrida? The philosopher is her friend? (laughs) Uh, No, I can't actually remember her name. It's something like that. Um, But then, like, I think it's Jimmy and Brad and Moose. And, like, they're all... Yeah, the bully situation. 
three issues and I know who these people are and I kind of get their vibe and like the relationship they have with Mayday and like they're good like they establish a good set of like high school friends just like Peter had back in the 60s that are not just just clones of him. Yeah. I mean you know it's pretty it's... simple Moose is just a bully and uh I don't know what Jimmy is Jimmy's kind of like a hot nerd like they kind of seem to have the hots for him but not really I, I don't know what his deal is <laughs> I, I definitely don't, will that's not totally wrong point. yeah we'll we'll see what yeah. Jimmy becomes but um I also yeah. like doing Phil Urich as <clears throat> kind of her uncle you know she calls yeah. him but yeah, like you know the man in the chair a little bit yeah yeah um and he references his time as the Green Goblin from of course the classic 90s i know that that was that made (laughs) that almost made reading that worth it (laughs) yeah yeah i like that there's a relationship there um so yeah yeah, no these are these are quite fun and i'm i'm glad that they're on the list now uh because definitely it it adds a little i don't know it's super corny but like it adds some sunshine it adds some joy (laughs) to these comics from these era um i don't know how much more of this we're gonna read frankly uh i think this is kind of like a get a taste and if you love it keep going because otherwise yeah. i mean that's the thing about it is like it's in its own universe you know it's in the mc2 universe like well she she gets doing folded its own thing. in eventually right <clears throat> what's that i mean she does i i said she gets folded in eventually uh into like mainline marvel yeah Not i mean she does i looked well. it up but <laughs> I, I was saying it as a question but i should just say it as a, a statement <laughs> well, um, it was not a question <laughs> the way you phrased it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but the uh yeah, but although I looked it up and she hasn't been in a comic since 2018, so like she is not, you know, being used that much. Sure, sure, um, sure. But she has well, a lot that's of why there's a Spider Verse. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be fun. Speaking of fun, mm. let's talk about a death in the in the Hulk family. <laughs> God, okay, sorry. You have on the uh, the spreadsheet a death in the world of the Hulk. Yes, and I saw that and you got excited. I put down my tablet. And I stood up from my bed, and I kneeled beside my bed. Yeah. And I am not a praying man or a religious man, but I <laughs> prayed to God <laughs> that he would take Rick Jones from me. <laughs> and then as soon as I saw the comic starts on Rick Jones, uh, I forsake religion again. Uh, <laughs> I picked it up, and then I threw it away because uh, he, he is It did fine. not work for you. It did not uh-huh. work for you. That's yep. too bad. Uh, so this is Hulk issues 466. <laughs> To 468. Um, we got writer Peter David. We got Adam Kubert on pencils for the first couple here. Inks by Mark Farmer. Letters by the legend, John Workman. This is the death of Eddie Banner. Um, she is poisoned with gamma radiation. And despite Bruce's best efforts to heal her, uh, she dies. And in Hulk comics of recent years, we had seen Bruce and Betty reconcile their differences they'd found a pretty happy place as a married couple um for them certainly uh and they'd been together so it hits uh, our friend the hulk pretty hard as well as our pals rick jones and marlo jones of course these issues are quite well executed i think um every time we kind of hop in to a smattering of peter david hulk stuff you know it makes me appreciate the craft especially by comparison to like we just said everything we read where it's like these are way less dense. They have a pace to them. They move. Um, they're doing things. They're He's trying doing stuff, stuff as it's well. Wild. Yeah, you know they're Maybe. trying like okay. Some of this is like Betty Banner's autobiography, <clears throat> retelling her story with Bruce as kind of a way to look back on her life. Some of the last issue, the Peter David is like you know a, a semi interview with Rick Jones ten years into the future, right? He's trying things that that make the comic a little more interesting. I definitely appreciate that a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, the big story here is, is Betty 
dies, and now what we find out in 468, which is the start of a new creative team, writer Joe Casey uh, and uh, uh, Javier Polito, first taste of Polito we've seen, very, very early Javier Polito, who's gone on to do some really good stuff in the 2000s for Marvel. Um, we find out at the very end of that that it was not actually Bruce's gamma radi- radiation that poisoned her, as was, you know, accused by General Thunderbolt Ross. It was Blonsky, Emil Blonsky. Neil Blomkamp. The director the, of District Nine. did it. Uh, the Abomination, as that director is known as. Um, so that director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that's like the bulk of the story here. But I mean, it's again, it's well told. I think these are the best. It, purely on a craft level, these are the best three issues of this batch of comics. I I think by far. Um, I don't have a ton of investment in Hulk and Betty's relationship. I'm not like emotionally yeah, yeah, yeah. hit by this, you know, the way that something like uh, Gene and Scott or or Mary Jane and, and Peter might do, right? Uh, but I think it's told compellingly and and with some care. Uh, what about well, the think? art? Is the art's incredible, right? Yeah, the Kubert, art carries Kubert's on fire. Yeah, this this is some of the best stuff we've ever seen. I mean, the moment <clears throat> the moment where Hulk. Uh, the Hulk and Thunderbolt Ross are like sparring about this and Thunderbolt Ross is getting up in his face about like that he poisoned him and then Hulk turns and yells at him it wasn't me in the words like blast Thunderbolt Ross in the face they're like blowing his hair back yeah and the words are actually like ejecting out as objects which is you know good combination of Kubert's art and uh and then I'm assuming Workman's letters here yeah yeah um like one of the coolest moments of that we've seen in the comics, like just using the form in creative ways to like tell the story. Like it works as a story moment, and it's also just like formally a really interesting choice. Um, yeah, Cooper's art here is uh, just incredible. Yeah, yeah, I, I was surprised at how much I liked these issues. It's like, what was the last time we saw Peter David's Hulk? Was it like those? Absolutely nothing issues during Heroes Reborn, where he was fighting like a hyena guy or something. <laughs> uh, he was with Doctor Strange last year. We read some Doctor yeah. Strange stuff. And then, yeah, I can't remember. Uh, I, I remember always being like, maybe this doesn't work, but like, and, and maybe we're a little tired of it. But at the same time, like, he's still trying new stuff. So like, he's so up and down on this, but it's mostly, you know. Mostly pretty good. Oh yeah, it was it was, it was that hyena stuff. Yeah, because like last time I remember being like, why is this still going? How is it? Is it is this still going? He doesn't have anything to say. This is proving me wrong. Like there's some interesting stuff. The th- uh, second issue, like his final, yeah, it's, I think it's the final issue with Rick Jones telling the story. Like made me think of an a specific issue in Immortal Hulk, which makes me think maybe that was inspired by this. With the story is mostly told in the white columns on the side, and the it's illustrated, but there aren't any thought or like speech bubbles in the actual illustrations. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like it's a fun way to to do that flashback retelling of the of the story. Um, yeah, well, I mean, Immortal Hulk takes so much from this, oh, yeah, including like. This is the time where Bruce tries to kill himself many times here. <laughs> and it sets up yeah. as the Hulk is like antagonistically keeping him alive, <laughs> right? Like yeah. he, lets it, he jumps off the Empire State Building and the Hulk waits until just before he hits the pavement to, to Hulk, to turn to the Hulk. Um, like just kind of, you know, like toying with him almost. So. Yeah, there's no, there's no denying the influence of this run. I mean, you don't stay on a title for 12 years and not have a legacy <laughs> that future yeah. creators are going to respond to and play with. And, you know, I don't think 
I don't know. I, I guess David's Hulk is probably, it's more on a wavelength with like Mark Grunewald's Captain America, where once you kind of go through the history like we're doing in the club, you see that like, oh, he was on this title forever, and he added this and this and this and this, right? And all these things. Um, but it doesn't get talked about in the same sort of canonically classic long run terms as the Claremont X-Men or, or even the Simons and yeah. Thor, right? And some of the, the stuff that is a, a tier above, you know, <clears throat> well, that uh, because it's does... not, it doesn't have the same highs. And I think with Hulk, with David's Hulk, if it ended earlier, I actually think it would be well regarded, more well regarded um, because then you could point more to like consistent highs across a shorter period of time. I mean, the last time yeah. I genuinely enjoyed Hulk issues that we read in the club is 1994, right? It's the the Rick Jones bachelor party stuff. But even mm-hmm. then, yeah. it's kind of just like little Marvel Universe slice of life stuff that is fun and well told. I mean, Future Imperfect is the last like go to. Oh, this could be a classic Hulk thing, you know? And I know, I know, not everybody here loves it, but like, it's a it's a long 90s run of yeah, like, well, Charlotte. what's the classic here? What's the <laughs> what's the classic that you're gonna point to and be like, oh, you gotta read this? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I guess I, I hear that. I know what you're saying, but like, yeah, no, I, I think, I think you're right because the length, even if it is that there are some like low points in it, it it's harder to point to this enormous run <laughs> and say like, oh, you gotta read Peter David's Hulk. It's you know 152 issues long. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, like compared to Simonson's Thor, which is what like. 35, 45, something like that. Yeah. And also um, doesn't have like that huge cast of characters of X-Men or it's like, it's like a whole universe and you, you, you have to have like a few faves in that whole universe. And like Hulk is not really that. You, I mean, he does some fun character stuff with the Hulk, with Betty, with um, Marlowe and in a way with Rick Jones too. But it's like, it's not that huge universe that you can build an entire fandom around. Like it's, it's a smaller story, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, well, and yeah. all the best, you know, it's it's like a band deep into its career where their first two or three albums were their best by far. Like, that's what David's Hulk is, um, because all his best stuff is between 1996 and 1990, or 1986 and 91. A lot yeah. of it's Todd McFarlane, you know. And well, and he, he keeps well. shifting up styles there, too. He has, like, eras, which is interesting, right? For sure. Like, for sure. You look at this, you look at the stuff, the Rick Jones bachelor party, and, like, it's a surprise to find out that that's the same guy who wrote those, like, very dark very like i don't know pretty compellingly edgy stuff from the mcfarland era right like that stuff's nasty i think you're right but i think the problem with that is once he eases into the peter david style of sort of superhero comedy uh um that that you know the 90s like like that's most of the 90s i guess and then there's not another gear from there um i i think is the problem i think you're right that he becomes more and more himself as a writer i just think the problem there is there's like there's no other gear to get to and then he's on Mm -hmm. the title for this crazy long time i mean by the time it ends these i think these are two really good last issues you know i think like if we're going to compare this to the grunewald um to the grunewald cap too it's like that ended on a really great note with bat rock joining the avengers (laughs) here's how it should have ended and uh it ended on a really good issue this these end on really good issues as well um so credit where it's due it's obviously influential um, it's it's a weird thing because I think when folks talk about like I, I don't know I saw this when Ewing was starting Mortal Hulk people were like what are the classic Hulk runs like what are they even people are like Greg Pak and like what else what else and it's like I, David's is so obviously like like the one you know um, yeah. but it's almost yeah. like lost to time because I, it kind of just muddles throughout a lot of it I suppose 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, like, fully agree with that. Like, I think I, I vibe with this more. But it definitely does have its, like, okay, we're just kind of hanging out here and, you know, we're more of a holding period. I, I It's a run, though, that I'm still, like, I should sit and read the whole thing. Like, I'm very compelled to go back and, like, read this in its entirety. Because, like, basically never hated an issue uh, unless yeah. I did and I just forgot it and someone will play the audio for me at some point. It is also, <laughs> yeah. it's it's one of the only runs in here where I will, when we've been doing this, I'd read the first issue or, or couple issues leading into the stories I had selected for Marvel Unlimited prior mm-hmm. just to be like, okay, I'm a little less familiar with these. Let me read these before we talk about them, um, which in some cases led me to discover the Hulk wearing blackface to go play baseball. Um, and in other cases oh, yeah. led me to uh, good stories about Bruce playing poker with Tony and Reed and some other Marvel Universe staples, you know, ups and downs. <laughs> yeah. 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 I didn't read downs. that issue, so I can't, let me, let me take back that. I don't hate any issue, single issue here. Uh, Cause I have not read yep. that one. Yup. I, I, I do think he succeeds just in leaving the, the Hulk title in a more interesting place than he found it yes. in. Cause like, oh thousand percent yeah because yeah, it's one of the rare times where a run ends and i'm like yeah I- i'm interested in, in seeing what comes next like what 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 does the writer do after this well like, we read something... the next yeah the beginning of the next run yeah it was exactly. okay <laughs> like i don't know if i'm like oh well that that's a huge hook because it kind of was just like let's let's keep going with exactly where peter david left off and it will be like the only thing that really grabbed me is the art i really like the art yeah in that, but um, Dave, yeah, you said Javier the name Polito of the is awesome. Um, I was yeah, not okay. expecting him to be on this. He's only on it for a couple issues, and then Ed McGinnis comes onto the scene. Um, Joe Casey's not on the book for real long. I don't know exactly how long. Uh, eventually, I mean, the title ends after like twenty issues. Yeah, eventually like Hulk is going to reboot um, again and uh, and start with a new number one. So that's kind of. Yeah. But yeah, the, He's the Joe Casey like is definitely not old, one I'm super like... familiar with. I, his style is like really interesting. I'm looking. His style seems to evolve a lot, but at this point, it like almost reminds me of like Hanna Barbera cartoons. Um, yeah, kind of. Like yeah, yeah, like old like cartoons, like 60s, 50s, 60s cartoons instead of uh, comic stuff. But it really works. Yeah. Um, oh, he's the guy on Human Target, right? Oh no, that's no, uh, that's Greg Smallwood. He does the Peter Milligan run of Human <laughs> Human Target. Um, okay, never mind. I don't know his work. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Speaking of fans. Let's finish things off with Deadpool. How do you both feel after reading a hundred more pages of Deadpool? <laughs> Here's my secret, Dave. I didn't. I just decided not to. <laughs> I uh, I picked up Daredevil or Deadpool 17, and uh-huh. I read about two thirds of it, and I was like, nope, I'm I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't read 18 or 19, but I did read Deadpool and Death Annual Number yeah. One, and I will say, not bad. Kind of liked it. It's kind of it wild okay. to me how much. Deadpool and Death Annual Number One is the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool movie. Yeah, totally. Like, right, it's it, that's more like than I origin. remembered. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that is it is it is the movie. Um, the movie's better, actually. I rarely will say a movie's better than the comic, but that movie is better than the comic. Uh, it it tightens it up for sure. Charlotte, how hot is Death? Are you are you constantly like? <laughs> Tell me, tell me, like, is it weird when characters are like, like, oh man, death, so hot. <laughs> I mean, it's weird when it's someone else than Deadpool and Thanos. Okay, <laughs> I would. Say. Yeah, yeah, those two. Don't those ask, two don't ask that. Gen Z about like the connection between hoardiness and death. They're, they're like the generation who's just obsessed <laughs> with like, oh my god, she's so hot. I want her to sit on me. Like, oh, I wish she would crush my throat with her heels. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> this entire generation is twisted. Wow. Yes, is this, is this have, your new article in, uh, in the Wall Street Journal? Yeah. Us, so yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, right. I've, yeah, my new Substack about uh, how Gen-, Gen Z's horniness is all messed up. Kids, what's uh-huh. the matter with kids today? <laughs> all right, so we've confirmed Gen Z's horniness. We have not confirmed that this Deadpool comic is actually good. Um, this one, this is written by Joe Kelly. We got it pencils is. here by Walter McDaniel. It is. We said it's good. Come on. <laughs> I, I. So this Come is. Come on. This is the. Uh, <laughs> This is the Ajax <laughs> villain introduction, uh, which oh, again is that. only a villain we know because of because of the movie. Oh, is that that same guy? Okay, yeah, I yeah, even that's Francis. That connection. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think if you're going to read anything here, read Deadpool and Death Annual number one. I don't know that you need the rest of this. I guess I would argue. Um, yeah, yeah. Like if you're if you're into this run and you're into the character of Deadpool, you do. Uh, some people are. Some it. people like this. Well, a lot, yeah, ton of people I, are. Right. That's it. why it's here. Yeah. Um. For sure. But it's. I. I have to say, rereading it. It is that when we talk about the density of comics, Deadpool obviously makes that worse because the dialogue is just so effervescent and overflowing, and it is part of the character and it is part of the build of like what they can be. Uh. But it really is a tough ride when you're not in the mode of watching Seventh Heaven in 1997. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I definitely know what that is. Yeah, I guess oh, that's God. the thing. Like, it's a lot of years later, and it was written for the moment. Um, and that's yeah. I, that's not always... Like, like the Stanley 60 stuff is far enough removed, where when he constantly repeats the joke of Spider-Man being like... You know, somebody's like, it's Spider-Man! And then Spider-Man swings in, and he's like, well, it's not, you know, Mr. Spock! Like, some 60s <laughs> reference or whatever. Like, that stuff's kind of charming. Um, the 90s stuff is more irritating, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Overload. I don't know if it's just that the touchstones are, like, I don't know, cheaper. Well, I right? think it's that or I like actually less... know them and I know how dated they were even, like, then, <laughs> I think is the problem. <laughs> like, I didn't, yeah. I don't know how dated Stan would have sounded, you know, um, because I everything to me from the 60s sounds like, you know, a gazillion years ago. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. but here I'm old enough to know <laughs> what's going on and to know like oh well <laughs> yeah. he's making Cheers references like this feels old even for '98 you know mm-hmm. um, yeah. I I almost had the like the opposite happen because I I don't think it's that but I think at one point uh, Spider Man re- references Bart Simpson and I was like oh that's that's too recent that feels too recent to be referenced mm. in, uh, <laughs> in a Bart, Marvel comic Simpsons but, like, like 1991 or something yeah I know but like it feels like a modern thing to me and like yeah it's it's Marvel it is weird when you start getting stuff era. that is still around that yeah is, like yeah 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 we, we really like when they start mentioning that stuff it, it starts to feel odd right uh, I mean this this is the era I, I don't remember what year it was but there was some comic recently where I was like it feels like we're finally in like modern comics um yeah and and that's you know coming in like fits and spurts but um yeah 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 it definitely feels like we're catching up to like our uh, at least you know my awareness of a as a human being right was (laughs) starting it forming memories about like culture and stuff is like really starting to kick in around this time yeah at 11 which is way too late you know so (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that's that's super weird though um but yeah, yeah i mean this is you know this is this is the era where marvel becomes the Marvel Universe, basically, that it is today, even if styles and such have changed. Um, yeah, obviously, we're, we're talking around the actual Deadpool comics. I mean, I, I really don't have 
a hack of yeah, a lot death, more to death say. Yeah, death is like courting I mean, him. Is the Deadpool yes. origins like in yeah. a way that we don't, we haven't seen before? I don't think. Yeah, and I think it's, it's pretty well told. I mean, I guess, is... I guess we could talk about yeah. that. Like for people who don't know, um, or have forgotten or whatever. Like you know, he's Wade Wilson has basically uncurable cancer, so he agrees to to undergo these treatments. It turns out to be like this facility from hell, basically where they're, like, torturing patients and basically trying to weaponize them. They use Vindicator as an example of, like, what they can mm-hmm. become, which classic yeah. ties of Alpha Flight to torture, I think, which Hell we yeah. all <laughs> expected. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. just, like, a Canada hell facility that Wade gets trapped <laughs> in. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, he's he's experimented on until finally his cells develop their endless regeneration that we know he nearly dies and befriends death um basically befriends yeah that's befriends that's and be loved like you know like and she's like oh baby give me a kiss finally by the end but that would mean his death which he won't actually do because now his cells won't stop regenerating and like he can almost never die um but it does establish actually a semi-consistent long-running thing which is like deadpool and death have a really close relationship um in ways that thanos actually will and would be jealous of <laughs> Oh, I really? Believe it yeah, or not. Fine. Yeah. All yeah. right. I, I have a question for you, Dave. Someone uh, messaged me yesterday on Instagram and uh, and said, basically, like, when are we going to get to the Deadpool, <laughs> not homophobic Deadpool, but bisexual Deadpool? Like, what? When does it shift into the kind of like modern Deadpool that they know and love? Mm. Uh, and I, I didn't would, have an answer for him. I so. would guess. See, I don't know. I actually like the Deadpool that I like. The Deadpool that I liked the most. Like, this was all kind of, like, um, history of the character, getting a feel for the era stuff, you know, these issues. This, the run that I liked the most growing up, was or getting into comics, was Cable and Deadpool by Fabian Nicieza, which starts in 2004. I would be a little—I mean, this, we're talking mid-2000s, trying to be funny stuff. I'd be surprised if it was that on top of, like, gender and sexuality fluidity. Um I would guess that doesn't come until the 2010s, you know? Yeah, I mean, that I just, would be But I, even I then, like, I don't think that 14. was prominent or I don't common think... in, in any Marvel comics until that point. But I, I don't think Deadpool is ever really written as a, an actual queer character. It's like, he never has a a, jokey, an actual like... love story with another man or something like that. It's more like, yeah, making jokes. But I, I... If Ryan Reynolds wasn't a coward, and I'm not kidding about this, this is not a joke that I would normally make about the MCU. If he was not a coward then Deadpool 3 would have someone walking in on him and Colossus, like, 69-ing. Honestly, <laughs> right? like, like, I'd I, say that about Disney. Cause I, I feel like Ryan Reynolds w- would do that, definitely. I yeah, like I kind of feel Disney like he thing. might g- go there. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, because we will it not be funny, see that in an MCU uh, Deadpool movie. They said I, they're going to make it R-rated, Dave, and that, to me, uh, says that we're going to see full-on explicit homosexual sex i'm i'm with you <laughs> on that specific scene let's let let the record show i guarantee <laughs> the organization wow. that you know has has finally finally agreed to occasional same-sex kisses <laughs> will not dive into those waters well, i mean it's didn't a, you hear thor love and thunder was the gayest movie that has oh, been so like gay. The- <laughs> so gay yep <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just uh, I've set myself up to demand that sixty nine or bust. Deadpool three doesn't have yeah. that. I will be really mad, and I'll never stop fussing about. I it. I think we could start a campaign, right? Mm-hmm. I think we yeah. could. We could <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna campaign. make my whole personality. Hashtag Coloss sixty nine. Oh, 
Ooh, okay. Ooh. Does that work? Kind of. Kind of. That's fair. It, it feels like it works. I don't know if it does, but okay. kind of. Get it going, everybody. Like it, yeah. Get it going. Okay. I, is Colossus gay? <laughs> I guess he can be in the MCU. He's in the Ultimate Universe. Oh, he's so in the he Ultimate Universe. The That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. All right. Perfect. I'm into it. Done. Okay. It's done. Uh, any other any other MCU movies we should rewrite? <laughs> While we're on fire. 69ing. I hope. I do hope the Deadpool of the MCU is is like shockingly um, R rated. I guess. Like I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't hoping for that otherwise. But I guess because it's now locked in a um, a Disney. You know, and a franchise. Yeah, yeah I know. Like, I'm not, I'm not worried about was all that stuff. Like, some people are like, oh, it, it won't be able to be violent anymore. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, will it actually do stuff that is surprising and shocking? Like, that's that's what yeah. I want out of it. Yeah, I, I was talking to somebody about it the other day, and I was like, yeah, I'm excited for it. And they're like, really? Like, another Deadpool movie? And like, yeah, I'm kind of just like a little piggy for this kind of stuff. Where, like, show Deadpool messing around with established MCU property stuff, and I'll be kind of happy. Like, it's... It's disgusting, and I feel embarrassed admitting it. But like, <laughs> was you, was your idea? Into... No, this was on, this was somebody on Twitter. Um, no, it was my idea. No, <laughs> I don't even know right. what it is yet. It could be terrible. Yeah. Um, no, it was uh, it was up to task. Has uh, has some good MCU thoughts sometimes. And his idea was Deadpool three should be Deadpool going like a Deadpool kills the Marvel universe, but with all the old Marvel movies that are no longer part of the Disney canon. Right, so like the old Fantastic Four, Hugh Jackman's the final one from Wolverine and the old X Men, like all those sorts of characters. Mm, so, yeah, because you can actually idea. do a multiverse thing now, yeah. right? That's where this is going. Um, but do it with all the old Marvel properties. I think that's brilliant. I think that'd be super fun. It's it's crazy fan servicey, but it also works incredibly well. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, that was a great idea of mine. <laughs> so good job. But, <laughs> yeah, can you uh, can you? tweet at that person tell them to stop stealing my ideas yeah well if I told, they i told them that in real life and they know i'm not on twitter well i am uh, seeing here right they know you're we know you're not on twitter everybody knows it oh um, yeah i don't know if anyone i am seeing here on twitter they just started hey everybody let's get the hashtag coloss 69 going so i'm a little worried <laughs> that they are stealing your ideas but we'll we'll talk to them we'll talk to them all right cool so that's that thus ends our deadpool coverage <laughs> forever uh, no, well, no. for a we, while, we, I've got some Deadpool <laughs> issues on 1999. Um, it's it's only three. Uh, it ends the Joe Kelly run on Deadpool, so that'll be okay. The last of Deadpool, probably until Cable. No, it'll be the last of Deadpool until we get a Black Panther crossover, and then sounds... probably we'll wait until <laughs> Cable and Deadpool in 2004. I'm sure that will be okay. sensitively written. Yep. <laughs> the Black Panther crossover? Uh-huh. Listen, if there's one thing the writers of the early 90s and early 2000s understood, it it's was... race race politics. <laughs> it was race <laughs> politics and sensitivity yeah. around uh, If it's issues. not written by the guy who gave us Steve Rogers as Black Panther, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, I love that, like, reading that, uh, Steve Panther's... Steve Panther. <laughs> Steve Panther. <laughs> missed up. Never mind. I'm not even going to finish my thought because yep. Steve Panther's you already, good enough. You already that perfected it. Whole, that was my idea. Already Steve nailed Panther. it. Yep. All right, cool. Any final thoughts here before we uh, tease the next no. episode? Nope. Oh, one question. Is is Francis a girl name in, in English? It can uh, be. Yeah. More, like okay, Francis McDormand? It's not, it's not really. This is this okay. is very much just 90s like homophobia stuff. Yeah, of no, which there's right. too much in these really comics. Really I think we should uh, we should double down and clarify. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, okay, it, no, it, it I was works curious, for because to me it's like 
it's the name of my uncle, so it's it's weird. <laughs> so you should start roasting him about it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> hey, Fanny. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Thank you. <laughs> Fanny also doesn't mean what it means. I don't know. Does Fanny mean the same thing in France that it does uh, that's, the UK? That's not a word in France. Okay. Well, even in, I don't know. In the UK, it's a, a more dirty word than it is here. Yeah. I feel like you just cursed at us. All right, Dave, end the episode. I, I feel like you cursed at us and said something really inappropriate, but I'm not. I don't actually only, know. Only to a small subset of our listeners. Yeah. Okay. Well, as long as only they're offended. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So let's uh, let's see. Next episode, we're going to do a weird one. Next episode, part three, 1998, is all weird all the time. Um, we're going to read Mutant X, A Next, Blade, Crescent City Blues one shot, and Man Thing, which I don't think is even in Marvel Unlimited. Uh, it's a rarity that we do that, but we have a guest who recommended it, and uh, and we're going to include it as a result. And then part four will be the much ballyhooed beginning of Marvel Knights. So 1998, off to a rip-roaring start, even a start. I'm Dave. You can Poor find story. my stuff at Comic Herald. You can uh, find my Marvel This Year on social. Oh, we have at a guest Marvel too, this year. next week, right? Yep, we will have a guest next week. Um yeah. And a real guest, a long time. A real, a real guest. I, I feel like I always yeah. have to clarify that. <laughs> it's me. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, what else? What else? Music for the show is by Disaster Piece. You can support us over at patreon.com slash my this year. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next year. See you next see year. See you next year.